Praise the Lord. How many loves Wednesday night? How many loves the house of the Lord? I am thankful to be here tonight. I'm thankful all of you are here tonight. And I am thankful that some 11 and a half months ago, I was privileged to speak the first Bible class for this year on Sunday morning. And here I am at the end of the year speaking to you on almost the last Wednesday night of the year. But not quite because the youth will have the final say next week. And I'm thankful that our young people will have the final say for this church. I am thankful for our youth. How many loves our young people? I love our young people. They're going to Back to Basics this weekend, and we get to spend that time with them. And it's a powerful move, and it's a powerful time. Back in January when I spoke with you, I was sharing the same lesson that the children had in the back, and it was about restoration, and it was a message on how God is going to restore, and I believe that this year was going to be a year after 2020. After everything that we had gone through, it was going to be a year of restoration. And I believe that he has begun that. Restoration is not overnight. Restoration takes time. And even when God restores, it can take time. But I believe that God is in the process of restoring what the enemy thought he had taken. And what the enemy intended for evil, God did intend for good. We didn't see it at the time, but he did intend for it for good. Tonight, I might be all over the place, but I believe the Lord put a passage on my heart. And at first, if I could take your attention to the book of Luke chapter 4. Usually I share a Christmas message this time of year, but Luke chapter 4, beginning verse number 16. One of the first sermons that we've heard Jesus teach after his temptation, after his baptism, when his ministry, his public ministry is just beginning, this is the first time that he will sit down and teach to people. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, 
to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Far be it from me to add to the living word. Far be it to add to the one who authored it. That he did not finish the passage in Isaiah when he read it. Verse 18 or verse 19 says he read to preach the acceptable year of the Lord and then he closed the book. The passage in Isaiah, however, continues on a bit. And if I would, if I could, allow me to read to you where he was reading from. Isaiah 61 and 1 begins the passage. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to, he- to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Verse 2, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all that mourn. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion. To give unto them beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That they might be called trees of righteousness. The planting of the Lord. That he might be glorified. Verse 4. And they shall build the old wastes. And they shall raise up the former desolations. And they shall repair the waste cities, the desolations of many generations. God bless you. Thank you for standing in honor of the word. And you may be seated. Our Lord, when he read this passage, stopped in verse 2 and said, That he was sent to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and went no further. And told those who were there, today this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. I am the one that's anointed to do just that. And went no further. Because I believe he knew the time had not yet come. But there will come a time. He will fulfill the remainder of the passage that he did not read. Anybody in here ever looked around at the world that we live in, at the society that is being built up around us, just got discouraged? Anybody ever looked around at what's going on and just kind of got disgusted. Anybody ever looked around at all of the evil in our world and just saw it just go on, just slide by? 
thought, that's not right. Is there anybody in here you can be transparent enough that while that's going on, in yourself, you messed up just one little least bit and just got slapped over it. And you see other things go on and it looks like nothing's going to happen to them. We serve a God, as we sang, we serve a great big God. He's a great big God that's different than what we think. In fact, the Bible says that he himself says his foolishness is higher than our wisdom. When he's just acting out, he's still higher than the best that we can attain to. And the world that we live in paints him in two opposing and wrong extremes. The society that we live in, when they think of God, they think of two things. They either picture this grumpy old man with a long beard sitting in heaven in his rocking chair. And he looks down at the people that go to church. And he has the attitude. Behold, there's Tess. She's having fun. No. Or they picture him as some nebulous cotton candy that doesn't do much of anything. And neither of those are accurate. There are two opposing extremes, and neither of them are any least bit correct in the God that we serve. Because the God that we serve is a loving God. In fact, the Bible says that if we were to ever try to define God in one word, which is extremely difficult, but we are told in the book of 1 John, if we were to define God, we define Him in one word, and that is, God is Love. He is loving. He is patient. He is one that has our back at all times. But he is also a God who isn't blind. And he is a God who is just. And he is a God who will permit wrong to go on as long as he possibly can because he wants everyone to be saved. But he is a God that he reaches a point where the wrong must be righted. And judgment must be handed out so that his justice can stand. And you may be looking at me saying, where are you going? 
what does this have to do with anything that's going on in our world today? The fact of the matter is, we're celebrating Christmas. We're celebrating that he came over 2,000 years ago. He wrapped himself in flesh. And I stand here unashamedly to say, I don't believe that a second person of any trinity came in flesh. I do not believe that the babe of Bethlehem was some subordinate deity who came to live with us. I believe that the Creator, in fact, the Bible says that the Word, who was with God and was God and by Him, all things were made. The Creator, the I Am of Moses, stripped Himself of some of His deity and came down to find out what it was really like to be a man. So he could save us from our sins. So he could pay the price. So we didn't have to. I fully believe that's what Christmas is about. Yes, Sister McMillan, once upon a time, he was a babe in a manger. But that babe grew up. And hung on a cross. To die the death. That you and I deserve more than we deserve anything else. But he's not on that cross. He ascended up above all things. And he is waiting for a certain sound. Because just as sure as Jesus Christ came to this planet one time. We are told he is going to return the same way that he left. And we are 2,000 years closer to that second coming than we were the first time that he showed up. And the reason I believe that he paused in the middle of reading the portion of Isaiah was it wasn't time yet. It was his time to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. It was his time to preach the good news of the gospel to those who would hear. It was his time to bind up the brokenhearted. It was his time to heal those who were wounded. And he stopped at the acceptable year of the Lord because in his infinite wisdom, even as a man, he said, it's not time for me to finish that passage and say, to proclaim the day of vengeance of our God. It wasn't time yet. That coming was about mercy. That coming was about grace. That coming was about setting right what Adam and Eve and the devil had set wrong so many thousands of years prior. And to put us in a position where we could, with his help, with his spirit living in us, set right 
what was wrong. But there is a second coming. And if you're wondering why evil goes on in our world, why it seems like his name is blasphemed continuously, if it seems why the name of Jesus is not the only name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved, it's a curse that you throw out. And that's all that it is. It's because... There's coming a day when he's coming back. And I hate to say this, but when he comes back the second time, he won't come the way he did the first time. The first time he came as the babe of Bethlehem, wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger because there was no room for him in the inn. However you want to interpret that, whether you want to interpret that all the motels were full and they should have booked sooner, or whether you want to interpret it as the inn was the family dwelling and their own family kicked them out in the cold, however you want to define that, there was no room for him that night. The second time he comes, he will be coming as the king of kings, as the Lord of lords. He will be coming as the one who will personally set right everything that is wrong. And every wrong ever committed, he will set it right the second time. He's given us the chance the first time through his help to do it. The second time, he's going to say, okay, it's my turn. I will make it right the second time. And that will be a day of vengeance that none of us would wish on anyone. We say we wouldn't wish hell on our worst enemies. We wouldn't wish the vengeance of God on anybody. But the Bible says there's coming a day when vengeance will fall. And he will right every wrong that has ever been committed. And he will take care of it. Years ago, I was told, you're not a parent. You don't understand what it's like, but someday you will. When you have kids, you'll understand why we do such and such and so and so and this, 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 and this. One day you'll have kids and you'll understand. And I stand here tonight, I've got three, four on the way. I run the gamut from the nursery to the youth. When I got elected children's ministry director, I didn't have anybody to raise money for Save Our Children. Now I've got one raising money for Move the Mission. And I'm beginning to understand some of the wisdom of what was told. Because I love my kids. And my kids are not perfect. And when my kids do wrong, they're corrected. In fact, we read a note. You have to, in a pace, apparently you have to write a note to your mother. And I hope I hope he doesn't hear this. But I read a little letter to mom that one of my sons wrote. And 
said, I, I know that when you spank me, you don't mean to be mean to me, and that's why I love you. They're corrected. But as a parent, don't mess with my kids. I don't want anybody messing with my kids. Somebody starts being mean to my kids, it's like, okay, what's going on? I don't like them because they're my kids. And you, and you, and you, and you, and I are his children. And we're not perfect. And there are times he corrects me. And I don't like it. But I know he doesn't mean to be mean to me. And so I love him. And I know that he doesn't like it. When they, who are not his children, are mean to his kids. And it gets his attention. And he says, what's going on there? He makes a note of it. And he keeps track of every time we're wrong without a cause. And we just take it. We just go on. We get our feelings hurt. Perhaps we cry. Perhaps we don't understand it. And we just say, well... My dad can beat up your dad. And perhaps what I want to conclude with is simply this. Bad things happen to good people. And we're his children. And he really doesn't like it when bad things happen to us. Sometimes as parents... Bad things happen to our kids, and we just have to let it happen. We just have to let life take its course, and we don't like it. We would rather jump in and intervene and change the situation, but we, we, we just have to let that happen. But we make a note of it. Whether we admit it or not, in the back of the brain, there's a little tally sheet. It's like, okay, I'll remember that. One day, he's coming, and he will take care of all of it. And every single thing that has happened to his children, he will say, it's daddy's turn now. I'm going to make it right. I'm going to take care of it. But in the meantime, I'm going to right some wrongs. We read, there's a day of vengeance coming. But in the meantime, he says, okay, we'll, we'll build up some things that are broken. We'll build up some things that are tore down. Some things that the devil absolutely thought he had destroyed beyond repair. 
He's going to reach down and say, okay, let's rebuild that. Let's make it better this time. Oh, yeah, Daddy will take care of it someday, but right now let's just, let's just rebuild that. And someday I'll take care of it. You see, the first time he couldn't say that. But I believe there's coming a day, not too long, when every pain you felt, he's going to take care of it. Every mean word that was said to you, he'll take care of it. Every wrong that you faced, he'll take care of it. And in the meantime, till he gets around to it, he's going to comfort those that mourn. He's going to give them beauty in place of ashes. What looked like was burnt completely to the ground, he's going to make it beautiful again. Those that are mourning, he gives the oil of joy. You have a spirit of heaviness on you. You feel like you can't even lift up your head. Your shoulders just weigh 30 pounds apiece. In the meantime, he gives the garment of praise. Something much lighter in its place. He says, I'll let you praise your way out of this. When everybody around you is looking at you thinking you've lost your ever-loving mind, why in the world could you possibly rejoice in this? And he says, I'll give you a garment you can rejoice in. And you're going to be like a tree that's been planted, that's going to give shade to others. What the devil thought he had completely destroyed, God's going to make up for it. And in the meantime, he's going to help rebuild. He's going to give us what we need. And all the while, he says, but there's a day of vengeance coming. And I'll make it all right. In the meantime, he helps us. Someday, everything that's wrong, will be made right. So when you think you can't possibly go on, when you think just why, why bother? When you think it's easier just to throw up your hands and say, what's the use? They get by with it anyway. I can't do nothing right. They do this, this, and this, and this, and just, you know, it's just all hunky-dory to them. And I, I step out of line one little bit, and I'm just like, there's a day coming. Daddy's going to fix it. He's going to make it all right. And in the meantime, he reaches down. And in a place that makes absolutely no sense to this world, he says, hey, kids, come on. We're going to keep going. I got better things for you than that anyway. 
that thing the devil tore up, he burned it to the ground. Yeah, it's okay. Daddy's got something better. Just, just keep coming along with me. I'll show you something better. The devil didn't know I had. You can have that instead. You're sitting there crying. Because the devil just tore all your clothes apart. I've got a garment you can really dance in. If you'll just come with me. And if we will simply hold to his hand. And trust him. He has something better in store. Not too long. Not just when he comes. Right now. He'll replace it with something better. His word said so. Someday the day of vengeance is coming. He's going to make it all better. But for now. You get a garment of rejoicing. We get the oil of joy. We get gladness in the midst of our sorrow. That nobody else can understand. Because our daddy. Has something better for us. If we'll simply follow him. The best. Is yet to come. Thank you, Brother Johnson. The best is yet to come. That's an encouraging word. When you think about this season, it's designed to be a season of joy and celebration. And at the same time, there are often many who deal with a spirit of heaviness. And it's because of loss and the various uh, cares and concerns of life. But I'm thankful that he will do what we heard tonight. Give us a garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. I'd like for us to pray as a church for those that are dealing with a spirit of heaviness. I just feel to pray as a church body for those that God will give them what he said that he would. And that is that garment of praise. So would you with me pray for every person that is or will deal with that spirit of heaviness. That God would give them a garment of praise. Father tonight we have so much to be thankful for and to praise you for. But during difficult dark days it is a spirit of heaviness that weights us down. I know that there are many. Perhaps there are those that are here tonight that are dealing with the spirit of heaviness. My prayer is that you would do what you said that you would do. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because you have anointed me to preach. Good tidings, God. I pray that you would allow us to preach good tidings and there will be those that perhaps are dealing with difficulty. Have a spirit of heaviness and that they would exchange that, Father. For that garment of praise. Put that upon them we pray. And we pray it in Jesus name. And the church said amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being a part of our Wednesday night Bible study. Don't forget this is a busy week. Saturday is outreach at 1 o'clock. Outreach is going to be promoting the fact that we have a kids program at 11. And then at 5 o'clock on Sunday night we have our candlelight service. Sister Shea's coming with a public service announcement. It's just Brother Clyde needs some help from strong men, young men. We have to move some things off this platform for our play on Sunday. So if some men can help Brother Clyde real quick, that would be an awesome help for all of us. I was going to remove the piano, but I changed my mind. So count your blessings. So if we're a man, we have to be young and strong. Is that what? So if you're young and you're strong, that's. That's encouraging. Okay, so.
then, now, I feel a spirit of heaviness coming on me. Oh, anyway, God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. We need the pulpit completely moved off, and we need the organ and these chairs completely moved off. The organ is heavy. Um, that the speaker, the Leslie, you won't need it now. Okay, okay, yeah, okay, yes. So we need the Leslie. We basically need all of this off except for. We need that bench off and all of this. We basically need this cleared off except for the speakers. Um, if you could put them, some of them in the room where it's just not so combusted over there because people are going to be walking off and on over there. So if you can get some of the bigger things in that room, that'd be great. But we do not need these moved. We need this and this, Brother Clyde's moved this. It's connected. The steps come off. And then that, Leslie. Thank you all so much. Brother Clyde, you know, doesn't that, the steps come out? Brother Johnson, you can maybe tell them how the steps come out of this. Oh, you're right there. I see that. Because the steps don't go with it at the same time. Yes, I said steps. 